Hi, I'm Kyle, and on episode 436 of the MWA podcast, Sean, Brian, and myself are asking James Marcel the five questions. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out James's interview on episode 435. So welcome back to the show, James. Great to be here. Fantastic. Welcome. Well, we're interested to get into the five questions, but before we do that, do we have a Patreon shout out? Uh, we do. Uh, big thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Today, we're giving a big shout out to Jose Santiago, a longtime friend of the show, probably one of the biggest LSU fans you'll find. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he's a chairmaker as well. Um, if you would like to support the MWA podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash MWA podcast. We would appreciate the assistance. Fantastic. Well, I don't know if he's going to be quite as big a fan as my friend uh, Vernon LaCour. The third is, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. He's a big LSU supporter, too. Anyway, well, uh, Brian, start us off. Sure. James, uh, how did you get into woodworking in general? Okay. Um, well, I, I guess my father had a work workshop and uh, used to make things mainly to solve problems on a farm. Uh, I did compulsory year at uh, school, uh, which I enjoyed but wasn't particularly good at. And then uh, the thing that really got me into it was a, a friend buying a router and that allowed me to make uh, traditional woodworking joints like Morton tenons and so on. I didn't really graduate to dovetails. And then um, I wanted to go on a course to get some hand skills and uh, it just happened to be making a Windsor chair. And uh, that was it. I didn't need to look any further than uh, Windsor chairs and I've been making them ever since. That was 1996. Okay. Well, that's so, so. So not only were you um, raising uh, fruits and stuff like that, but you actually uh, uh, grew up on a farm? I did. Yeah, that was yeah. a fruit farm too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So it's in your blood. Oh, well, I guess it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Second generation, but, uh, and now it's gone. So well, that was 20 years ago we packed up the farm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was quite a short-lived uh, industry. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, locally to where I live, there used to be uh, – 20 fruit farm fruit farms within a sort of 10 mile radius and uh, they'd all gone by uh, by 2000 mm. wow. yeah so well cycle <laughs> yeah that's sad uh, you know well yeah so uh next question <laughs> what what is your favorite tool now you make a few, so I do. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably not terribly objective on this, but, uh, right? <laughs> I guess my favorite has to be my Travisher. So it it just seems to work, and um, it's the most forgiving tool I've ever come across. It doesn't really matter where you set the blade. Um, you can take very fine shapes. You can take uh, huge deep cuts, um, and it it just seems to work. So uh, yeah, that, that probably is my favorite. Very good. And Brian, did you say you have one of his Trevisors? I have. Uh, I have both the uh, the wooden version and then the Derlin version. Um, Delrin. Del Delrin. Sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, the wooden. The wooden. I have set fairly heavy cut, and you can really. You you, you were talking, James, on the previous episode how you abandoned uh, pretty much abandoned the um, scorp or the in shave, and on the last chair that I made as well, I'm like, I. I think I think I made four or five passes with it, and I put it down. And I picked up the uh, you know your Travisher and just at a much greater speed hogged out that seat on a sassafras seat. Uh, but yeah, I like it. And the Delrin one I have set for um, kind of more of a moderate cut, but that's the one that I use. And like uh, when I had recently saddled a white oak seat for a stick chair, and, and that that would just basically said fight me, and that's <laughs> that's when the the Darlin one really came into into hand. Yeah. 
Well, we always used to have uh, elm in this country for our seats. So, you know, virtually all historic English chairs had elm seats, and elm is so variable. It can be uh, very soft with uh, twisted grain or incredibly hard and straight grained and every combination. But yeah, the Travisher just would whip through it. And uh, yeah, it, very satisfactory, I think. Yeah, maybe if they had that back in the day, the old English uh, Windsors would be more saddled than they are. Well, I think it was. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you chose very sensible woods like pine and tulip to yeah um, to make them, and uh, not surprisingly, you've got some absolutely gorgeous shapes. Uh, but uh, no, the English ones. I, I have a theory that the English seats were were adds when the the wood was absolutely green, mm -hmm. and so even elm would have been relatively soft. Right. You, you that makes sense. The, 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 uh, the bottomers, I believe they're called, used to be called, and they would do 25 seats before coffee time. They probably didn't mm -hmm. have coffee then, but uh, you yeah. Um, and the only only way they could have done that is if the wood was really soft. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, are you when y'all are using the ads? Are y'all using the uh, uh, like between your feet type ads? Yes, 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 the longer yeah, the long hand, not long the, not the long handle, handle. Yeah, yeah, stand, hold the seat with your feet, size of your feet. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, there are various ways I have to keep people safe because uh, your ankles are potentially uh, at risk. And uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the real secret, I, I, I think, is resting your forearms on the top of your thighs and then using okay. mainly your wrist. And oh, if you yeah. it, so you'll find that that makes it... you. It's almost impossible to hit your ankles if your forearms are on your thighs. It's mm. much more restrained in that you're you yes. don't have another whole another joint that's not moving. You're just yeah. just pivoting kind of one point that with a base below it, which that's exactly. smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one. Well, um, let me ask you this: Who has influenced you the most in your chair making? Oh, I, I, a number of people, but I, I I guess I'd have to give the the number one shout out to Mike Dunbar. Mm -hmm. um, I. I was taught by a chap called Jack Hill um, back in 1996. And uh, Jack was a lovely chap. He had full of stories and he ran a most enjoyable course, but I don't think you really call him a, a chair maker, um, but he, although he made chairs. But it was two years later, I went to Mike Dunbar over in New Hampshire and uh, I just loved his approach. He was um, commercial. He treated it like a business. He, he ran, he gave you a, a most enjoyable week but he was always talking about how uh, talking about the economics of it and uh, encouraging people to go away and make chairs and sell them. And that was so refreshing um, and encouraged me a lot to uh, actually start making chairs to, to, to sell. So I would say he was probably number one. And then back in 1998, I had the pleasure to meet Nancy Goyne Evans, uh, the author of the mm -hmm. American Winter Chair book. And, right. uh, and I went to Charles Santori's house, and those two showed me just so many absolutely sensational American chairs. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely had an influence too. Cool, cool. Great. Um, so, James, what would you say is your biggest stumbling block? Oh, well, I, it used to be steam bending. No <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for quite a few years, it was, it was a nightmare. And uh, the the trouble with steam bending is there are so many variables. If you come into it fresh and uh, you, you, you have you got enough steam? What's the temperature in your steam box? Have you got the right wood? Have, have you got a strap or not? Just so many things that go wrong. And I found that um, if if I had a successful bend and halfway through I'd scratch my ear, 
I would jolly well scratch that ear at the same time as the next band, and you became <laughs> superstitious, you know. Yeah. Um, but the big thing was that there was this sort of rule of thumb that uh, people talked about of steaming for an hour for every inch of thickness, uh, which I think is just the worst bit of advice anybody could ever give anybody. Um, and I just kept bringing the time down. Uh, and then I met a guy who did a lot of steam bending, and he said, just cut it in, you know, go down to a quarter of the time you're giving it. And suddenly everything began to work. Um, so I think uh, very often steam it for much less time than you, you think you probably should do. Uh, but it, that was a that was a real hurdle to get over. Ooh, that yeah, is. I, wa I wanted to ask you in the last episode: What is your uh, steam generator? Are you using a wallpaper steamer, or are you no. a kettle? Do you, do you have tea urns? You probably don't have tea urns. It, it's a thirty liter um, cylinder with a, a heater heating an electric element at the bottom with a tap that you can um, release hot water, boiling boiling water. Oh, uh, okay. Village Hall in this country has several of these tea urns to make tea. You know, you know, we like tea a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, no, that I just have that boiling away. I've got thirty liters of water, and it will last for. I mean, I usually turn it on about eight. It, the steam is up by nine, and by about twelve thirty, I've I've had enough of steam bending, and I've still got water in the bottom of it. So it's just something you just don't don't have to think about topping up or anything. Um, no, really good system, I think. Yeah, that is good because occasionally I do have to top off, you know, a wallpaper steamer. That's why I have two of them so I can start one and then start the other one, you know, 30 minutes later. And, you know, I, I think that that's a good plan, but it's just yeah. another it, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. 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 Because you're actually opening up a little knob type thing that has, you know, hot water, you know, steam pressure underneath. And pressure. It. So, yeah. 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 So yeah. you got to be very, very careful. And it's, that's, uh, that's probably the most dangerous thing I do. I think, I don't know. <laughs> One <laughs> of the most dangerous things, but yeah. So I'm like, you know, I got gloves and, you know, long sleeves and all this kind of stuff trying to do it. So oh, I'll have to look and seeing if I can find one of those. We'll have to do a group by an import couple exactly <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i need 30 liters but maybe you know 10 or well, 15. 20, 20 works well i always used to have 20 but uh, bigger is better yeah well that's true that's true exactly. you live in texas kyle come on you know that yeah yeah <laughs> they got a 50 liter one now <laughs> water bill well goes up yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you can so, tell when kyle's steam bending by the uh size of his water bill yep <laughs> So uh, how has the internet influenced your work? Um, well, I guess when I started, it was all just book, reading books and so on. But then um, I started selling chairs, so I built my own website, and I'm not really a, a techie person at all. Uh, that was really just a catalog. Uh, then I wrote my book, and so I had started selling. So uh, I got someone to build one for me, and that worked well, and that started bringing business in for courses and tools. Uh, but the real big driver was Instagram. And I have to give a big shout out to uh, the guy who makes my Travisher blades, a chap called Ben Orford. Uh, he makes the most wonderful uh, bushcraft knives and so on. Um, and he suggested one day that I just get into Instagram. I, I tried Facebook and it just, I didn't yeah. find it particularly enjoyable. But Instagram's been, it's been so much fun. I've met so many great people and i've learned a lot and it's brought in a lot of business too so instagram yeah has been the main driver yeah that's excellent um some you know to to someone who's not techie 
and but being able to get into that communication and then we hear that a lot of the communicate the community in instagram and how especially in the craft and making communities it really thrives in there there's such a connection you can share your stories you can share your ex explanations of things and get good feedback and then meet people like somebody who can make blades for the next tool you make i mean that that kind of stuff is so cool it's 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 networking in that global kind of way uh where before the internet, I don't think it was at all possible. No, we, we, we my, my wife and I went to Australia five, six years ago, and uh, it, it was extraordinary. But we met six chair makers over in Australia that I I knew of from Instagram, and mm. went to visit them, and they were exact. It was though I'd known them for years. I uh, see. That's that awesome. Yeah, I recently, you know, Kyle and I had a chance to meet in person uh, last was it last summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, we had. Almost like we had known each other for years and years and years, you know, just from Instagram. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's fantastic, and all the things that, that you can learn and stuff like that. Like one of the things, um, I don't know if it was on your YouTube channel or an Instagram reel you did, but on sharpening your travisher blades, the way you do oh, yes. them on the felt wheel. I think it's a hard felt wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, like okay. That works. I hadn't seen that before, but uh, yeah, I need to go buy me a heartfelt will now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I a lot of curved sharpen, blades uh, to sharpen. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon sharpen. I don't know, fifty tools in about fifty minutes. Wow! Oh. Wow! That's and that's incredible. Yeah. It, it's all just the felt wheels. Yep. Yeah, right. yeah. I definitely need to get get one. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 very very interesting yeah and i like the little setup because you can see that yeah you sharpen a lot of tools at once because you can see some of the back splatter from the rouge <laughs> which is fantastic. It's, it's great for anything so long as you don't so long as you don't have to have a really straight blade yeah no exactly. good for a plane where you've got to have no. a straight blade but but i i don't need straight blades as long as they're sharp that's all that matters exactly well fantastic well thanks so much um so where can folks find you on the interwebs james um instagram uh windsor workshop or my main website thewindsorworkshop.co.uk and brian what about yourself uh, instagram is the place to find me at obst woodworks and obst is o-b-s-t kyle how about yourself you can always find me on instagram at barton.kyle or bb custom tools bbcustomtools.com or on youtube under bb custom tools and kyle barton sean what about yourself I'm so just not as interesting as you guys. You can just find me at John W78. <laughs> well, if you want to start making tools and... I know. <laughs> and that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.